the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 186, recorded Friday, March 13th, 2015. That kind of brothel. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Good afternoon. If you are looking at or watching this live with us this week is Dan Fulmer. How are you, sir? Good to go. Good Great to be here. Good to go. Uh, also with us is Mr. Paul Zeely. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Last time we saw each other was actually four weeks ago. Uh, in, in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. So. Yeah, I did not expect to see you in the, in that kind of brothel. <laughs> <laughs> now, now let's dissect that statement for a second. First of all, he was also in a brothel. So, se- <laughs> it's all on second, it was that kind. It of was brothel. that kind of brothel. So, uh, also with this is our buddy Mike Faulkner. How are you, sir? I'm doing well today. Good, good deal. And last but not least, uh, everyone's uh, envious of George's background. His name is George Tucker. He's the engineering coordinator for World Stage. Uh, Hello, all. I'm envious of Mike's. It looks almost like a lounge. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> diplomas. Um, actually, last time I saw George Tucker, if I scoot over a little bit, you'll see the trash. That's there probably... you go. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. You were saying? Joe's age. That first diploma I saw says Hamburg on the top. Yeah, that just means it's an it's okay, old one. Okay, if I scoot over, you can probably see the Electra Home one too. <laughs> yes, but do you have an X10 one? Uh, no. No, there we go. <laughs> no, because they didn't exist. All right, before we get started, uh, just kind of this isn't a story. Story, um, I guess. Kind of, you guys can comment on it if you'd like. Uh, but uh, uh, registration for Infocom 2015 has officially opened up. So. If you are planning to head to Orlando, uh, head over there and get yourself registered for that. So uh, if you don't know when that is, uh, it is the uh, second full week of uh, June uh, 2015 in Orlando, Florida at the uh, Orange County Convention Center. So uh, June, the, the, if you go to the website, it actually says June 13th through the 19th. The actual show part is the 17th, 18th, and 19th. That thirteenth um, is the uh, is when all the classes and everything started. So uh, cool stuff. I was actually just talking to uh, to George and, and some folks at Infocom today. We will be there as well. Um, we will have uh, a booth as well again, so that'll be fun. Uh, we'll do some some fun stuff. We're gonna do uh, the H the uh, the uh, um, oh the tweet up and everything on on Wednesday. So fun stuff. Fun fun stuff. All right. Um, just for those who are watching, tweet up means beer, so come by. <laughs> ah, beer. Beer is food. Beer. Well, I heard beer. T- free beer at that, right? Not, not just any beer. Free not, beer. Not quite ISC Amsterdam free libation in oh the street. Oh, my gosh, no. But beer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had enough Heineken to last me a lifetime. All right. I'm stuck. Yeah, I'm stuck. Oh, I, I blame the FCC. That's all I'm going to say. All right. 
Uh, so Didn't you talk enough about that last week? Nah, you know, sort of, yeah. It, it's a retaliation thing before. <laughs> that may be. It may be. All right. Um, so let's let's kind of lay this through here. Uh, this week. Um, this week, the uh, the the apples, as it were, um, out in Silicon Valley, uh, released their latest greatest thing, uh, which is the Apple Watch. Um, and there was a you know there's been a lot written about it. I just want to get your guys' take on it, uh, your two cents on what it may or may not mean for AV. Um, uh, a couple of folks uh, have asked me, and and I, and I commented a couple times on on what I thought it may or may not uh, indicate. Um, so, George, we'll start with you on this. What do you think that the uh, the uh, the Apple Watch will mean for AV? Well, all right. So, uh, as as a standalone, I think it might have a lot of the kind of features you can do with an interactive house and sensors associated with it. Unfortunately, in my in my view, with having to have a phone with it. Uh oh, and. Are you still there? Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. We'll have to start that again because you just like went away and I lost all audio. Oh. All right. So let me start again. Um, I think as a standalone, it's pretty pretty <laughs> nifty idea. But the fact that you need to have it with a phone and that you have to pair it with that system to make it an ecosystem really makes it sort of a really pricey toy. I mean, I, I don't uh, talk to, um, to John at uh, Residential Systems and a couple mm-hmm. of others about how I'd love to see it as sort of an RFID, follow you as you move, be able to sense exactly what you're doing kind of device with interactivity. But beyond that, it really, I just don't see anything beyond what a lot of people latched onto, which was the healthcare portion. Having really interesting sensors and being able to use that as your a daily monitoring system. And that's a whole other ecosystem into itself, but I don't know. I, I'm not thrilled by it. I was more haps, uh, happy with the MacBook. Really? See, that the MacBook is the one that scares me, and, and we're actually talking about that a little bit um, off the air about the whole one connector and everything. So, uh, Mr. Zeely, from your standpoint, what do you think either the, the like George said, the, the MacBook or the, the Apple uh, Watch means for us? Um, there might be some interesting things within the home areas. I really don't see it being... a a huge impact within professional AV um, from a control standpoint. Um, My biggest problem will be that I will now have somebody demanding that the image from their Apple Watch be put on the screen when they walk (laughs) into a room, and and I'll have to figure that out now that I have a way to get an iPad up. But um, I I don't know. It's a toy. My biggest indication is... uh, that if I run into somebody who's wearing one, I know I don't have to talk to them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the $10,000 one. You don't have to talk to them. Yeah, no, I have to talk to the people who are wearing the, the gold Rolex. Yeah. They, have, they have money and, and, uh, and presumably power, whereas the people who are going to be wearing the Apple Watch are going to be the same subset that are, were wearing the Google Glasses and... Uh, as much as I live and breathe technology, I'm not a big believer in technology for technology's sake. I am a uh, form follows function and use case kind of guy. So, so, so carry another piece of technology. All right. 
All right, uh, Mr. Fulmer, from your standpoint, where does uh, where does this leave us uh, in the world of AV? Uh, is is this next step of wearables, and presumably um, most people will think they, or at least the the Apple fanboys, will be the this is the coolest form of of wearables. Uh, I would have to agree with others. I think the fact that you have to have the phone attached to it kind of takes away from it a little bit. Um, interestingly, I was reading up on the Apple Watch to see what it could do and what it couldn't do and found an article on Disney's, uh, what do they call it, the Magic Band, mm-hmm. um, which is a wearable device that they're using that uses basically beacons all over the park. And if you read the article, not to get into too much depth here, it seems like they've done almost everything you'd want to do with a wearable in the sense of what you want in a smart home as far as people, have some purchase, uh, have security features in there for your kids, have security features in there in case it gets stolen. Of course, the big thing at Disney is you can walk something they want, walk out, and bing, you just get charged for it. But uh, yep. So that probably works nice for them. But I, I think truly that really shows the uh, and the Apple, you know, iWatch is, is kind of short on a few of those things. I did see, you know, like Alarm.com has an app built in for that. That's kind of cool. Again, if you didn't have to have your phone and I could reach down to my watch and check my security and arm it, that'd be really, really cool. But the fact that you're kind of, you know, slave to your phone uh, takes away a little bit of that. So I, th- I think it has, some, you know, some potential, but a lot of room to grow. And, and of course, the healthcare stuff is something I think we're all looking at as far as where the wearables can, can move us, uh, you know, much further forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mr. Faulkner, you're going to have the last word on this. What do you think about the, the newest, uh, the newest iWatch? Well, my, uh, my phone is my watch and has been for a while now. Um, I don't think the mention of, of having some kind of tracker for the kids in, in Disney, uh, I have to comment that I don't want to spend that kind of money on my child to have him run around Disney anyway. To, um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the, like you guys said, you know, uh, uh, an accessory for your accessory. It, it doesn't seem like it's, it's really going to take off that much. Uh, for the wearables, for the healthcare, I, I do have my Fitbit. Um, it tracks my steps and uh, makes me uh, very self-conscious, and that's about it. <laughs> so you're saying that this would just make you even more self-conscious, maybe? You could, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, one of uh, one of our guests' uh, mother companies. That would be Harman, uh, and it'd be uh, Mr. Zeely's uh, employer, uh, AMX by Harman. Uh, this comes to us from the uh, eetimes.com. Harman is talking about the connected car is uh, altering infotainment. And uh, if you're not familiar with the term infotainment is, basically it is your uh, all of the stuff that your passengers, and I want to say that very clearly, your passengers can do to pass the time as they are in the car. Please do not install a DVD player that you as the driver can watch. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> that. It's just not very safe. want to make sure that everybody you know, stays in uh in uh in you know safe and you know as you're driving around the road uh but according to the so article you're saying that the heads-up display stuff is not for watching my dvds on my no it's window? not especially the dvds <laughs> that you watch <clears throat> george watches mad max i watch the dvds of the guys that are in front of me so is that oh right? there you go that's 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 perfectly acceptable yeah, that's perfectly acceptable. now that your car's connected you can listen to them too yeah oh, geez you know what guys Oh, all right, Paul. Uh, first of all, it, you've got a lot of stuff going on in in today's uh, automobiles, right? 
Um, and we, we can talk about the infrastructure and the, and the cabling because there's a number of different companies that are doing things. Um, ABB is doing stuff, some stuff, HDMI, and, and is doing some other things. Interesting things going on with weight. I've learned more about car weight in the last year uh, because of the research I've done into um, ABB than I ever really honestly wanted to know. Um, but here's the thing. When it comes to whether it's Harmon or, or whoever else is, is chugging down this road of bringing more and more things into uh, our vehicles, um, first of all, is, is this a good thing? Uh, and secondly, where do you think that uh, we're going to go from here? Um, once again, as the resident Luddite, a guy who still drives a car with a factory cassette deck, um, there, there's good and bad. Um, there's a lot of informational. I've got a, uh, I've got GPS now that uh, that tells me when there's a traffic jam up ahead. You know, sometimes it tells me there was a traffic jam up ahead 15 minutes ago and reroutes me anyway. But um, but that kind of communication is is nice. Um, the the real part of this, I think that they're going for is to figure out how to get the communications into the car. Um, the, the big pay for the automaker is going to be the self-drivable car, which is going to have to rely on a lot of sensors and communications. So they're going to have to be able to understand how to move data around. And um, monitoring, you know, think of the idea of uh, having your car system to come in and um, GM or Audi or whoever is watching it and, uh, you know, sends you an email that says this has been done or these engine things, a check engine light comes on and being able to um, hit a button and, and talk to somebody and they say, oh, don't worry about that. Or I'm looking at the code, uh, your, gas tack, your gas cap is loose or your engine is about to melt, you should really pull over. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so a lot of that type of stuff is very compelling to me. Um, entertainment within a car it is is nice, and granted, um, uh, that's a primary revenue driver for my company, but I think some of it is really looking at the entertainment system today is a proxy for how some of these more advanced communications are going to happen. And so, so it, a, a car is a very strange lab space, you know, You've got something that's got to got to run for five or six years, hundreds of thousands of miles in in all kinds of conditions. You know, if the radio breaks because you've got a fundamental issue in technology, it's not so bad. But do you want the first generation of technology to be uh, navigating your self-driving car? No, no, probably not. But what you're find out it works great for twenty-eight thousand miles. <laughs> <laughs> and then at 28,001, it breaks down. But was almost what you're saying is this is uh, a gateway technology into something. I, I, I'm really thinking it is because it's just not worth that much money to be able to get texts and play DVDs. And, and quite frankly, gee, it's nice that, that they're saving three pounds of wire. But would you really go through the years of an IEEE standard and – all of that technology and all of that money in order to get um, a, a DVD video signal seven feet. <clears throat> Paul, 
as as someone who has who has ridden with uh, a a six and an eight year old several hundred miles, I would say yes, it's very important. So oh no, it's important to get it, but um, the technology behind a piece of coax is has been pretty well perfected oh. over you know a hundred years ago. Yeah. All right, uh, Mike, you're you're shaking your head furiously, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you off the chain here. Uh, where do you think we're going with this? You're, you're you're agreeing with Paul, it seems like. I'm agreeing with Paul when it's a stepping stone to other things well far into the future. Uh, when I say well far, I say, you know, in the, in the you know, five to ten years, as everybody says. But um, the entertainment, uh, copper works. Why are we reinventing it? Um, the self-driving car direction is really where everybody's trying to get the data to so that you can find out if the guy is, you know, three miles in front of you or, you know, three inches and you need to stop. Um, uh, audio and, and video, I, I prefer it to kind of just stay the where it is. Um, some people are probably going to want some type of, you know, video keg of, you know, so that they can continue to play all different kinds of movies when you're on the big road trip. Um, I really would like my car to read my texts for me if uh, if I am stuck on the road. I don't want to be the guy reading his phone while he's driving. Um, that'd be kind of neat. Have you know Siri or or uh, Cortana say, Mike, you have a text. Do you want me to read it? Yes. And then you know find out that dinner's going to be meatloaf again. <laughs> you you're, oh, you you really like the bad thing. Well, I'm not a big leap. <laughs> you you've never had my wife's meatloaf then. We'll have to make arrangements for that and it's pretty darn good. Uh I I curiosity real quick, Mike, what do you have? What do you drive? Um I drive a 2013 Prius. Okay. And I drive a lot. I live 64 miles away from the shop. Okay. So I spend a great deal of time in the car. So and here, I, I had a, a experience. I I buy a car about once every ten years, right? Um, just because I'm a cheap bastard and I don't like buying cars. Um, and I, I bought a used uh, Fusion, Ford Fusion, and I, I was going. I had like several different cars. I wanted to be a sedan actually, but we're planning because I only buy a car once every ten years. This should you know last me for a while. And I geeked out, and I and I tech geeked out right so i it was down to a couple of things and it was it was the interface right i, I have an android mm-hmm. phone the the ford my ford touch uh reads the text uh with with androids um has a lot of other different uh capabilities but that was that whole integration with the phone with the platform and doing exactly what you just talked about uh was it was weird right i mean gas mileage was you know relatively the same one or two three you know gas you know miles per gallon um, but it really came down to the integration with, with the technology. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, my, my Prius has the touch screen. It has lots of integration. Uh, it won't read the text for me, but it does have a little message that pops up and says, you know, you have a text message. Okay. Um, so, I mean, and, and yes, there are a lot of really cool features with it. Uh, I've got no complaints with that. Uh, my first Prius, this is my second one. I put uh, 250,000 miles on it wow. in four years, and then I handed it to my wife. So <laughs> that's another story. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it. it I, I spend a lot of time in the car. So I want it to 
kind of help me, but I don't want to sit there and have to pay attention to another thing, and I really don't want the masses, um, sorry masses, to have to pay <laughs> attention to another thing while you're driving because yeah. it's bad enough. I, there are accidents constantly up and down Route 7, which I'm on every morning, of people that were, you know, reading and emailing and, and all that on their phone, and that's that's scary hmm. but if it's something where it's subliminal you know to the you know out of your peripheral vision to see that you know a message came up that was fine if they can read it to me you know audio wise that's great too but you know I, I don't want I don't want more video in the in the car if I play a video it's going to be to the back seat to the kids and stuff and yeah. that's about it all right, uh, Dan. From your standpoint, where do you uh, where do you think we're going with with the infotainment and everything in the in the car tech, car AV? I'd have to agree. I think the the biggest thing that I look for is you know an AV integrator. Somebody to smart homes is the integration of the of your sources, and I, I think someone mentioned the word your your AV keg. Basically, is you know the one request we get from clients is, hey, I'm playing something in my car. I'd like to walk into my house and have that song can still be playing. Or hmm. vice versa, I have kids as well. Um, we take trips, which I couldn't survive without DVDs in the back. But it would be nice again instead of having to go grab the stack of DVDs now, which we don't have that many of anymore because we stream most stuff, to be able to take stuff that we own at home and somehow transport that to the car. I think that would be a really nice feature. Um, otherwise, I think. Um, this is one of the scariest things I see on the road all the time, and um, I worry about our maturity and uh, our capacity to be able to deal with these extra technologies in the car because you're not supposed to text and drive, but people do it all the time, and the more video stuff we get in the cars, the more concerned I am that people are just going to ignore rules and do stupid stuff and pay attention to these things, and, you know, uh, 100 feet or 200 feet in a second goes by really quick, yep. so I think that's... That's the one thing we're still not caught up with here is our maturity level and capacity to deal with these technologies in the vehicle. We just haven't reached a point where I'm confident that it's safe. Yeah, absolutely. There was, there was a story this week, I want to say it was in CNET, of a self-driving Mercedes going around San Francisco. Um, so now I can't afford that, but, you know, hey, who knows. Uh, all right, Mr. T or maybe the, maybe the new iCar when it comes out. Uh, that was another story that came out this week that Apple's doing electric cars. Um, Mr. Tucker, where do you think we're going with all this, uh, this AV car tech into self-driving cars? Well, I think Paul hit the nail on the head. This is an encapsulated microcosm for experimentation. Um, why do they have infotainment systems in cars? You have to differentiate your vehicles somehow. There's very little that differentiates most midline, midstream cars. They're either electric or hybrid, or they have a little bit more horsepower, but pretty much they're the same. A Corolla and a Accord are not that different. The car guys will yell at me, but please. So you have to have something that says, oh, we have this, we have that, you can, you can do this. I can see it being really useful for navigation and for long trips. Uh, I also travel about an hour, hour 15 minutes each way to work all the time. So not quite the, uh, the extended mileage you do, sir, but man, oh man, when I, have, I only have a radio or my podcasts, you know, and, and just like them, I and want my And there's nothing wrong podcast. with that. No, no, I have my Evening Nation podcast as soon as I get out of the car. I want it to continue when I get into the house. Of course I do. Uh, so, again, I think it really is. There's a lot going on here about a mobile device, a X-ton mobile device able to stream and update and maintain content 
from various sources is a real big experiment that will translate into at least home automation, if not corporate home automation. Identifying the driver, identifying the participants, putting on what people want when they sit down in the seat that they're sitting in. All of this is in there that really will translate. And you can do it in this sort of encapsulated universe that while it's moving X miles, uh, you know, 200 feet per second, as, as we said earlier, it is still not an entire house, but the infrastructure is set and you can really determine what it does. Yeah, and it becomes really important to get that data to a car. You know, how, how often is your GPS out of date and you're having a problem? Around here, they're constantly building roads. And every, you know, six months or so, I finally get frustrated because I get lost and, and I update my GPS. That's not going to be acceptable in a self-driving car. That GPS has to be updating practically continually. Yeah. Well, and some of the issues with that is is getting the information from the government. Honestly, I mean, they, they they've got to release some of that information a little bit faster um, because. Well, well, you you you've hit on my other point. It's really the government <laughs> is pushing this so they know where you're, where you're going. Oh. You know, you notice all you notice the theme here. Everything you picked has a uh, Big Brother can watch you um, subtext to it. Well, well, the next story doesn't, so it'll it'll make you feel a little better. Well, I don't know. I know you, Paul. You you could turn this into a Big Brother story, too. So, uh, From CE Pro and our good friend Julie Jacobson, Nest Audio is coming soon. Well, it, she said it in a question. I'm, I'm making a statement out of it. Uh, they have a Nest has a job posting. And don't, uh, don't all of you jump up at once. But this is what it says. It says you would be leading the Nest Audio team, including acoustics, audio electronics, audio uh, uh, software, audio test, and validation for all Nest products. Build a world-class audio team through hiring and mentoring, and develop an audio roadmap for Nest products, including hardware, software that can support uh, delightful users, interface uh, experiences, and innovative, innovative features. Easy for me to say. Now, uh, Mr. Tucker... Let's put on our 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 our, uh, our innovative hats and our, our kind of our, our crystal balls here, and um, where are they going with this? Where where are they going with this job posting? Well, my first statement was, of course they are. Okay. Google didn't buy Nest just to have the user database, so that's probably a large part of it. The metrics, yeah, you know, knowledge about your daily routine and being able to find ways to sell you stuff through that. So it is Big Brother. Paul is right. right. Of course Dang it is. It. Of course it is. But to that end, why would you not have an existing infrastructure in which you say, hey, we can layer upon this topology, audio and video. We'd be, well, let's not do that. There's money in it. Let's never do that. Of course they're going to do it. And it's Google. Um, I, I, I'm surprised it didn't come as soon as it did. And, you know, look at those Nest, uh, not the thermostats, the, um, the, the smoke detectors. Smoke detectors yeah. They've had trouble. They have audio components in them. They were programmed to say things. How hard is it to translate into a decent speaker system? How hard is it to say, we're going to take Sonos on? We've got a library of gajillion files and a library of gajillion pieces of content. Yeah. Why not own the topology? It's what Apple does. It's the same thing, and I'm not surprised. How good it will be? Uh, I don't know. All right. Uh, yeah. Mr. Fulmer, you, you live and breathe in the, in the, uh, the residential space. What do, you, what do you think of this? Well, I, I guess my take is kind of... Uh, I would have assumed they've done it. They would have done this through acquisitions, oh. uh, uh, just just because that's what they normally do. 
and it's how they acquired Nest, and um, it it kind of to me seems like reinventing the wheel. Um, you know, in our industry, I mean, you have the Sonos. Is uh, there's even a, a couple of the Denon competitors Sonos now with the wireless speaker technologies. So it, it's kind of all out there. They're just another package that they're putting the wireless speaker system in. So uh, again. It's not something we get into a lot of unless you don't need it. And then there's the big, big misnomer about wireless too, which these may uh, change a little bit. Is they're not truly wireless because you either have a battery that you got to change regularly, or you got to power them. So you're yeah. still running some kind of wire. Um, you know, the one thing the Nest might, however, that is have over that is somehow it is hardwired, so you can get power to it um, through the secondary means, not a primary means like plugging into the wall. That may help it out a little bit. But I, you know. I'm kind of a wait and see on this one still. So is this is this if this is where they're going with, with taking on Sonos and some other stuff? Is it something you would you would let's let's assume a couple of things? It's decent. It sounds good. All this jazz. It, it meets certain customer criteria. Is it something that you would you would spec or, or recommend to a client? If it's easily integratable, um, you know the Nest came out and everybody talks about oh I got to have the Nest and Nest and Nest. Well, we couldn't integrate it until you know, earlier this year when they came out with their SDK. So essentially you had to write your own software to make it do anything. You know, that was great 10 years ago. We all used to do that, but in the last five years, no one does that. I mean, everything should be modular and plug and play and ready to go. And I, I don't, you know, I enjoy doing the, the more complex stuff, but again, today there's no need to do that. So I think that would be the key thing there is they have to make it an open source or easily integratable. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Mike. From your standpoint, um, what do you think about the either the job uh, posting or or um, or what they're uh, what they're headed to, for in doing this? The job posting, I am a little, you know, concerned or confused, I should say, by the uh, like 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 he said. Normally, they just buy somebody or you know some other company. Um, when it comes to you know trying to do something like Sonos, I liked the picture of the smoke detector with the audio coming through although i i envision more like a you know six inch tenoy dual concentric smoke detector wow and, uh, <laughs> have one of those in every room and uh being able to play from my my all of my hard drives all my music and and something like that that'd be pretty cool okay all right i'm sure it'll be a separate box though i i can't imagine something that's installed in the house like the rest of their uh, their gear. It's got to be a separate device that you can pick up and, and set down somewhere. Yeah, most likely, and it'll probably be on their mesh network and all that jazz and play yeah. with others. So. Chrome TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Mr. P Mr. Zeely, where do, you, where do you stand on this? Well, I, I think the real reason for going after this is that, that Nest and Google need to build a critical mass of connected devices because the the real fight here is not going to be for the audio system and the, the incremental gain they can bring up within an audio system the um, fight is to is the Apple world of own the ecosystem therefore whatever the next thing they need is they're going to buy mine so so as you bring things in and you have a set of smoke detectors and a wireless audio, at some point there will be the Nest Home Controller, which is going to, which will be a security device that registers it, allows you to get to the internet through a gateway, 
locks everything down, all of those pieces, you know. And you don't start with the home controller. You start with two or three things, and, okay, we've got an infrastructure, we go home controller. At that point, you're, you're brand locked to, to their ecosystem for whatever comes out. So whatever, you know, next you'll be buying the Nest refrigerator so that it'll order your milk for you or whatever else. Or you'll have the nest inside or, or whatever goes. So this is really an ecosystem fight. Um, it, 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 I think it's a little strange that um, a company that is this prominent is, is posting a job for an audio team lead. Um, that's the sort of thing that, you know, anybody in this industry, you know, that, that seems to me like an inside job, um, that, that you know somebody, you recruit somebody, you hire somebody, you get a headhunter, that you don't post a, a job opening on, on Monster for, for that type of position. And I don't know where it actually came from. I mean, yeah. it could have been a job posting for the headhunter. But that seems a little weird. In, inherently, there's nothing new. There's a lot of wireless, presumably wireless. I like wires. I have, you know, I have been uh, very upfront about that. I, I understand and believe the technology behind wires, no matter what, <laughs> and therefore <laughs> I like it. Um, you know, to be a skyhook and, and be wireless, uh, once again, within an audio system, it, it can be a variety of things. Your, your speakers in your living room and your various rooms don't move very much. You know, they can potentially be in, and you also have an ecosystem. Um, I know you guys don't work for companies where you get this, but uh, I get a phenomenal amount of wireless audio devices. <laughs> um, it's part of what I do for a living. And I literally have, um, you know, plug. The, the JPL Charge, which uh, has eight hours worth of batteries, is Bluetooth. And on Saturday, when I'm you know, doing stuff in the garage, in the yard, I just keep my phone in my pocket and, and bring that speaker to the next spot. Whereas in, in, in a whole house system, it could be playing off for my central and going to that. And, and you set up your zones. You're playing what you need to, to do. And you also have your portable. So, so it, once again, it ties into an ecosystem where now I don't, you know, I've got a a um, Harman um, stereo system in my living room, of course, but I also have a, you know, 1970s Pioneer stereo system in my office. And um, if that ecosystem existed, the the next one you know, would match as it goes through. You know, I've even done that just because I'm lazy and don't like programming remote controls. As I've been replacing TVs, I've I've been buying LGs just because I've already got the control codes programmed into everything. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. I actually have I, I agree with you on that. So I, I I hope you're I hope you're wrong about the the whole ecosystem thing. Um Especially the, the no, no, that's the big prize. Uh, but here's the thing: no, no, hang on, hang on. Because of, of of the thing you said, of home automation from Nest, that would make me, ooh, 
that, nervous. Whether it's automation, what it is is ecosystem. Right. Everything's going to be connected. And, whether it's Apple and, or Google or TIO. Whether it's or... Apple or Google or whoever else. This is Google's play to go after that Apple ecosystem that is very well entrenched. I'm surprised that Apple is so far behind on this. Um, this, I mean, this is a chance for Google, and you know, you tie it in with Android, you try tie it in with cloud services, you tie it in, you know, um, so they got Nest Audio. My my prediction next would be Nest Security, and so so. You know, start with some cameras. None of this stuff that Nest is doing is technologically innovative. I mean, they're not inventing anything. No. They're engineering it, and they're creating a cool, premium user um, experience that, that lends itself to building an, an ecosystem kingdom. No. All right. You know, Paul... Paul Oh, okay. players have been for the last 10, 20, or even 30 years, and we're talking about Apple and Google. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just kind of funny that uh, you know the Nest was was kind of a one-off product that uh, everybody kind of found exciting, but uh, you know, to me, it still hasn't taken off in the smart home market. So, I, but but the smart home market hasn't taken off. What's the penetration sure. of smart homes in the United States? Hmm. Well, and uh, you know, I, first I of all, agree. before you before you answer that, define a smart home. Right before you can even answer what the what the even if you went to automated AV and, and granted I work for a company that the stuff is very expensive. When we look at the numbers to automate with AMX, um, to to really do it, um, consider the percentage spent in technology in a new build. We're looking at probably a house in the 1.2 to 1.8 million dollar range as the starting point for doing an AMX automation. It's considerably lower for control floor. It's a little lower for Crestron because they, they reach further down market than we do. But but none of these have, have gone down and none of these have hit the, 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 the do-it-yourselfer. So a some level of smart home that doesn't involve a professional that 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 moves forward is is going to going to dominate that bottom 75% of the market. So all of the houses and, and markets that, you know, are not premium. So, so for a smart home, you've either got a geek who wants a smart home and might be doing it yourself, or you've got a really rich guy who wants a smart home because it's, you know, too much work to, to you know, walk over and do it. You know, I'm, I'm old enough that I remember when people made fun of people who used IR remote controls because they were too lazy to get up and turn off the TV. Yep. Um, it's, it's um, you know, the, the untapped size of that market and, and the players that have been in for 20 or 30 years haven't even started to scratch the surface of the size of the potential market. Yeah, Paul, you made, you made me think of something when you said... Um... First of all, I think this is a soft shot across the bow because the job offering is on the Nest website under careers. So it's not hide and hidden. It's not going after. So even more so, this may not be so much an attempt as to find someone through it as to go, we're here. Um, so and to that end, you said something that struck that I've been thinking of. It was in my head. And you said security. Who's been losing a lot to every other automation company? Security companies. They don't sell keypads anymore, really. They don't sell it except for the sensors and the connection. 
Do you have something you can sell through a security company that starts with security being thermostat and fire and audio now and security? There's a natural there right there. Even if you do it through a dealership, it might be through that channel as well as Home Depot and Best Buy and all that other nonsense. But I could see someone jumping on that and saying, ah, so that, you that, want more of this. Well, that, well that, next, if you haven't thought of that and you're monitoring Tim for ideas, um, <laughs> you can get a hold of me at AMX and uh, send my royalty check there. <laughs> well, and George, George, George brings up a good I get twenty five percent then. You yeah, know, right? you guys, <laughs> I can't articulate you it. Work that, work that yeah, out. If I get uh, a check from Nest, you can have twenty five percent. Here's the thing, though, George, and you 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 brought up a good point. If they start selling this, or, or it's Nest, right? This is not. Um, this is Nest, right? We're not talking about Crestron or AMX or, or folks that have established dealerships. I can go down to Lowe's. That's where I got my nest. Was I went went down to Lowe's and, and picked it up. So, how are they going to bridge this gap where you've got the security piece now? Um, and I'm not talking about folks like you and and, and Dan and, and Paul to put these in, but you know, let's talk about our parents, you know, or or you know the the generation after us who have no in, interest in in doing their own technology. Did we not do an article a couple of months ago about Home Depot hiring a oh, automation yeah. evangelist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, serious hardcore. I forget who it was, but somebody who was well seeped in the industry. But it was a, it was it was Home Depot though. Yeah. Yeah. And and this may be the opening for for Home Depot's version of Geek Squad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Instead of a yeah. instead of black and white ties, it would be a big orange tie. So, all right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad joke. Uh, let's move on to a couple Infocom stories. Uh, first of all, they are starting something. Uh, actually, about a week ago or so, uh, our buddy Josh Schrago was at the Infocom Connections, which was their first regional uh, show in San Jose. They have a couple more coming up. One, uh, they're partnering up with Simco. Uh, Simco, uh, Infocom, SCN, and IMCCA. Uh, there are two events, uh, one's in D.C., one's in Philadelphia, Crestron, or uh, Crestron, good lord, Infocom is also doing something uh, in, in New York in a couple of months. Mike, from, from your standpoint, what is the value of all of these regional shows that Infocom is, is getting themselves involved in and, and kind of bringing uh, the Infocom experience uh, to their different regions? Well, I know this region with all of the government and uh, military and, and all of their subcontractors, it's a great way for them to see the latest and greatest toys and, and you know meet and greet all the, the manufacturers and, and kind of get to know. Um, I think it's wonderful. I, I think it's a, uh, it's a tool for the integrators in this area, and Lord knows there's a lot of integrators in this area, yeah. um, for us to, you know, Meet our new our clients, our new clients, and and show off the latest toys. That's okay. it. All right, uh, Paul. From a manufacturer standpoint, um, and a trainer, you, you're a fabulous Infocom trainer. What does this mean uh, doing the whole regional thing? Paul's muted. Sorry, I was muted. Yes, I was at um, Infocom Connections, and uh, it it was it was pretty good for a uh, for a first show. There were a lot. There was a very different crowd than we would typically see at, at Infocom, which tends to be tends to be more people who have AV as their primary job functions. There were a lot of what I would call secondary job function um, AV people there. 
there were more CIOs, tech managers, um, people who AV falls under the general purview because um, GovCom didn't didn't make it when they tried to do a government show. Um, at the time, I was in the D.C. area, and um, I really liked the idea, but um, D.C. has never been a very good place for that kind of show um, because the exhibitors don't like it. D.C. has what uh, we call a trick-or-treater crowd, and especially when it was tied with government video where they'll empty out offices with people who are running from booth to booth to see what you're giving away. So it's very hard to qualify <laughs> a, a, a sale sometimes um, or, or people. And so, so GovCom and um, government video were never, never particularly my favorite shows. I think this one with Simcoe is, is primarily a, um, a rep show where, where as I look through the manufacturers, they're all um, brands that are on Simcoe's line card. And, uh, you know, they, they're doing some level of co-promotion with Infocom and um, Systems Contractor News. Um, although the San Jose show was was very much um, in alliance with System Contractor News, too, where, where they tend not to heavily align the main shows. Um, the panels that I were on, I was on were all SCN panels hmm, okay. um, and not, not through, so SCN invited me, not Infocom. Um, you know, be that as it may, um, they tend not to have the heavy duty level of education. Uh, things are really geared much more towards end users rather than professionals. You know, I, I look over and I would hate the thought of, of me having to uh, um, present uh, leveraging IT networks to deliver powerful AV solutions in in an hour. <laughs> no, because um, typically that's a three or, day, that's a three day Infocom course. Or or, or a forty five minute audio conferencing DSP recipe for baseline programming in forty five minutes. <laughs> you know, and you you're, you're dealing at a different level. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think I think the big advantage of these regional shows is it's drawing out the non-pro um, end user end user crowd, uh, which is really what a lot of organizations want to get to, both manufacturer and um, I mean everybody wants to get to an actual customer, and and with the exception of the really big important customers. Um, they're not necessarily going to Infocom. They're not going to travel across the country, but they will travel a half an hour into city center, get a free lunch, and walk around and get some ideas and get exposure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Uh, Dan, from your stance to endpoint, I know it, you know I know it's Infocom and that's more more commercial, but let's let's you know if if CDO would, would would do you know some regional shows or what have you, what what are some of the advantages of doing regionals? Well, I, I love shows, and I obviously like shows that are local to where I am. Oh, yeah. Um, EHX was, I think, our last big industry show that, that shut down that everyone used to travel to. Um, I'd say the good thing about those shows, the old shows, where everyone had to travel to them, was one, it got, I think someone mentioned earlier, it got the people who were really invested. They're the ones that are going to go to the shows that are non-regional and you have to travel and et cetera, et cetera. 
I made a lot of the relationships I have in the industry with uh, a lot of you guys and, and other people from the industry at these, you know, uh, non-local shows over the years because you'd see pretty much everyone there. Um, the flip side is, you know, with the economy 2008, 2009, I think that's when a lot of these shows wrapped and um, kind of now the trend is starting to go towards more of the local shows, um, which can be good and bad. Uh, the, the, the good is I think that you can get, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get a broader audience. I think someone else mentioned earlier, uh, not just that, um, you know, you're not getting the total pros and you're getting some tire kickers, but I think you're getting some people that wouldn't have had the resources to travel before to come to a local show. So you're going to get a broader audience there. I think that's good. Um, another good thing is you'll get, you know, if, if there's regional shows that are within limited distances, you may be able to go to two shows and get different information from different instructors. So I think that's, you know, that's another way to look at it. I've, I've taught at EHX and several other shows over the years and, and, uh, you know, to me, that was one of all the funnest things. I always learned more instructing than I did taking a class. It, it always seemed because the people in the audience would raise their hands and have suggestions and questions that got me thinking more. So I just thought that was something that was that was great. I think the regional shows are, are where we need to go. Um, the rep thing's cool. The internet's cool. And everybody's like, oh, I can go find everything online and all that. But still, I like to develop those relationships, know who my manufacturers are, know yeah. a little bit more about my products. And when I have a question or an issue or a problem, I can call them and get some answers. So I think that's that's a critical component here that's been missing the last few years because we don't have some of these local shows. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's you know, when, when you make the, when I when I make the business case to go to different shows, that's one of the biggest things, right? Is is the ability to you know put the, you know understand the fact that you know I, I know Paul Zeely. You know, I've, I've shaken hands with Paul Zeely, hung out with Paul Zeely, and if I have a problem, you know. I can call Paul, Paul Zeely, you know, down in, in Dallas and, and what have you. So, uh, Mr. Tucker, you'll have the last word on this. Uh, where do you stand on, on these regional shows? I was doubtful about them at first, I have to say. Uh, and having not attended one as of yet, uh, I could see some big benefit to it. But in truth, I haven't had the opportunity yet. So yeah. uh, for networking, it was great. It's great. Uh, and I've done, I guess, I guess it's akin to going to an integrator who has a mini show and I don't always seems to really for full connections and, and really long-term relationships in the business. So I can see them being absolutely beneficial. Yeah. I, actually speaking of, of, of that, uh, Paul and I will, will be speaking at the, the AVI systems, uh, local show in Dallas next week. So, uh, see, I give you segues. See? You do. It's very nice. So if you, if you're in Dallas, come and see, uh, come and see Paul and, um, you can come make fun of me if you want. So, um, all right, guys, uh, and as, as we kind of wrap this up, did, don't forget the fact that uh, Infocom, uh, the, the Infocom uh, national show, I guess, if, or the international show, uh, the big show, um, is uh, the registration for that is open, uh, so you can check that out at infocomshow.org. Uh, we'll be there, Paul will be there, all of us will be there, and we'll have a, we'll have a grand old time. So, uh, All right, uh, that's going to wrap it us, us up for this week. Uh, Dan... Uh, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate being here, as usual. Thank uh, you again. Where can people find you? FullTechSolutions.com uh, with one L, F-U-L-T-E-C-H, Solutions.com. And uh, happy to answer any questions or help you with any tech. Mm, I appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Mike Faulkner, thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And where can people find you? Uh, as always, at Avitexture.com. Okay. And, uh, yeah, 
Apple texture. Very good. Uh, Paul Zeely, uh, thank you, sir. Uh, you're welcome. And and where can people find you if you're not wearing your Apple Watch or driving your uh, your government or, issue? Or, or, Google, or Google Glasses. Yeah. Um, uh, Amex.com. Um, and, and just to plug uh, some more of the Infocom stuff, I'm teaching several um, IT uh, oriented courses at Infocom, uh, specifically for the AV integrator, including a new entirely revamped network audio video systems, which is uh, um, going to be debuted, I believe, at the Infocom show. Um, it's been four years. It's you know, uh, Infocom was a little upset that uh, I felt that at the four-year mark we had to completely revamp it because apparently. Some of those audio classes have had the same content since the 70s. <laughs> but um, I patiently explained to them that uh, things that were important four years ago in, in IT and, and the way AV works with it are no longer important. So we have to keep the curriculum fresh. Um, so you can look for me, Paul Zeely, or any of the IT. Um, we're really trying to push into some more advanced subjects. So it's not going to be this is an Ethernet cable. Um, I'm doing an entire Super Tuesday on um, traffic analysis, including the second portion of it is specifically dealing with um, analyzing multicast on the network. Oh, nice. And uh, to be able to look into it. And this is, this is a push specifically by Infocom to try to bring the senior people back into Infocom education. It, you know, it's a little disappointing to get excited and go to a class and, and have them go, streaming is nice. You can move video from one room to another. And it's it just, a, you know, 30 years into this, it's a, it's a little disappointing. And, and they're losing um, some of the higher end, I wouldn't say higher end, some of the more experienced people in their education. So they're pushing this year to try to, to, to bring in you know, more advanced classes and, and really to emphasize that, you know, this is not for beginners. You're going to be lost if you if you don't have some chops. So I will not be taking Paul's class, but you might need to. <laughs> so uh, actually, uh, our buddy uh, Harry Mee took yours last year and, and ranted and raved about it for a couple of weeks. So uh, you might see Harry again. Uh, Mr. George Tucker, thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Folks can find me at Tucker Twos, Commercial Integrator, some other publications, and of course here on AV Nation. Yes, all over AV Nation. Mm. Um, <clears throat> my name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Uh, don't follow me on 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 Twitter because at this point I've given up on on the Bears ever winning a Super Bowl, at least in, in my <laughs> lifetime. But go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. Uh, there is a boatload of people who who do uh, who make Avnation happen. Um, I'm just the big ugly mug that's uh, that's on this show. But uh, um, our buddy Josh Shrago is heading out to NAB, trying to get an interview with Chairman Wheeler about uh, net neutrality. He's he's posting his his questions for Chairman Wheeler on the website. Uh, Mike Brandis from Vadio has uh, the, the the Friday Five, um, and all sorts of other things. We've got a new city of control coming out, a new live life, um, a new uh, ed tech coming. I mean, tons and DIY. tons. DIY, a new DIY. Thank you, um, Pico. Uh, Pico, and it didn't uh, uh, James Bedell do a new one too? 
uh, lighting yep. guy. So yeah, the lighting guy. Yep. Uh, all sorts of, of fun and exciting things, and and we've got some stuff cooking. Um, I'll just say that for right now. But between now and Infocom, uh, come back a couple times and and uh, and check it out. Uh, we've we've got some stuff cooking. Uh, and and lastly, uh, but not least, uh, congratulations to the third baby to be born into the AV Nation family in the last month. Uh, our good friend uh, High Five Phil Cordell uh, and his lovely bride welcomed uh, welcomed their first child as well. So, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. This has been AV Week. Thank you.